Welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. This is the show where inbound agency leaders share the strategies, shortcomings, and successes they've experienced in their journey toward building their dream agency. Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and Gray. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode three of Inbound Agency Journey. I'm your host, Gray McKenzie. I am delighted to be interviewing Josh Ames from Spark Reaction on the podcast today. We're going to kick things off with an interview with Josh. We'll learn about his life, Spark Reaction. And then in the second half of the show, I'll be joined by my co-host, Andrew Dimsky to break down what we learned from Josh. Josh, welcome to Inbound Agency Journey. Hey, great. Thanks for having me. Glad, glad to have you on. Glad you, that you made time to be with us here today. Um, we'd love to hear just a little bit to give folks a background on you, what your story has been, what, um, kind of what's the experience that has brought you to where you are today with Spark Reaction. Yeah, sure. So um, I started Spark Reaction uh, just over two years ago um, with another co-founder, Brian Wajda, and, and it actually um, started as a brand new agency. Um, so I actually got into it a couple years ago, probably four or five years ago. Um, I got hired as a marketing manager for a local cloud computing company, um, and that was kind of thrown into the deep end with HubSpot. They already had it when I got there. Um, but they weren't using it, didn't really know what it was. Um, and so it was up to me to kind of figure it out. Um, and that first year that I was hired, uh, they sent me out to the inbound conference um, and absolutely loved it. It was great. Um, the saying I always use is I drank the HubSpot Kool-Aid, um, came back, was a huge proponent of it um, and worked with that company for about three years, um, implementing inbound marketing practices, you know, really, um, using HubSpot effectively. And, and probably towards the last year of that, um, I started talking with Brian and we kind of joked around about starting an agency uh, because we just really saw the need more locally initially um, for businesses to use this idea of inbound marketing. And, and we saw the results that it could provide. Um, and then we just kept talking about it a little bit and then eventually decided that we should just start an agency. And we did that. Um, unlike some other agencies though, we actually ran the agency part-time while still working the full-time job. Um, and we did that for the first year of Spark Reaction. And then about a year ago, we finally decided to jump in full-time. Um, it got to the point where we knew in order to grow the agency to what we wanted, um, we needed to start focusing more time on it, um, and full-time on it actually. Um, and so we made that jump last year. Um, and then, to be honest, all of our growth started happening probably the last half of last year um, and has just been on kind of a, a hockey stick trajectory um, ever since. That's awesome. Hey, I have a couple follow-up questions for you. One, I'm just sure. interested personally. How did you and Brian connect? Were you guys working at the same company together or just friends? Yep. So me and Brian actually worked at the same place. So he was hired there um, somewhat part of the marketing department um, with a video um, focus. So he was hired to do kind of some of the training videos and whatnot. Um, and so, yeah, we actually worked together there. Got it. I did not know that before. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then follow up to that is I was curious, do you regret at all that period of time where you guys were working full time? Do you wish that you'd made the jump earlier or did that, was that a good decision to kind of ease into it since it does take some time to ramp up the agency? 
Yeah, so I definitely think that that was the right decision um, for me. Um, I think Brian would probably agree as well. Part of that, um, obviously, is from a revenue standpoint. Um, you know, uh, we basically needed to get the agency to a point where it could sustain us not having a full-time job. I mean, that's really why we, we kept working there is because we needed the income. Um, but once we got the agency close enough that we felt like we could do a few months of not having the full-time job and that Spark would kind of pick up that slack quickly after that, um, we decided to go ahead and make that jump. But I, I definitely think it was the right decision at that point. I I don't think that it would have worked out as well had we done it um, right away if we quit our full-time jobs right away to focus on the agency, especially starting as a, a brand-new agency. Um, and not being, you know, a, a traditional agency that's making the change. Um, I know when we started, we heard a lot of stories about the traditional agencies that were converting to inbound marketing agencies. And I definitely um, think that they have it a little bit easier just because obviously they, they typically will have a client base already that makes that transition a little bit easier um, compared to us where we were literally starting from zero um, and having to build not only a business um, but build a client base as well. Right. Yeah. You're starting with no brand, no book of business. That's a tough place to start from. I've been yeah. there. So yeah, exactly. And do you guys, uh, are, are you working remotely or is everyone in the same office? Yeah. So we decided at the beginning that we did want to have, um, a local team. We really wanted to build a culture and build, build a local business and a local presence. Um, so we are all in house. Um, we don't have any remote employees, um, in fact, we just moved into a new office here at the beginning of March um, that'll fulfill our growth plans um, into the future. But we, we, even moving forward, plan to continue to just hire local talent. Got it. That's awesome. It's, uh, I know that a lot of folks who I've talked to about that have said it's more of an investment that you're making up front, but the benefits in the long term and the ability to create that culture and kind of own that culture um, has a big payoff as well. Yeah, I would agree. There's there's definitely some struggles with it as well, um, but I think to your point, it's it's definitely worth the investment. Yeah. So let's transition a little bit. I'm I'd love to learn from you. Uh, maybe one example of a recent client win, something that you guys do um, that's that's gone really well here in recent times. Yeah. So we um, just in the last month have closed our largest HubSpot COS website project. Um, and it actually happens to also be a local client. Um, so that's really exciting. We've probably just towards the end of last year into this year have really started to pick up more with our, our local client base, um, where most of last year, all of our clients were not local. Um, and so it's kind of nice. It's, it's definitely a different dynamic to have a local client because you're able to interact in a much different way than with clients that are not local. Um, but we're definitely excited with that. We're still in the very early stages on that project, um, still in the wireframing side of it. Um, and they had just joined HubSpot at the end of last year as well. So it's fairly new to them. Um, so we're also going to do work with them to do some consulting as well. Um, they have a, an in-house, um, marketing team that's able to do, um, a lot of the work. Um, so we're just doing some high level strategy work for them as well. Great. Congratulations on that deal. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. I know that you guys do awesome work on the HubSpot COS. You do a lot of HubSpot sites. And I'm curious, from your perspective, what does it take to be good 
at developing on the HubSpot COS? <laughs> um, well, so interesting. <laughs> There's a lot that goes into it, I know. So I'm curious yeah. to get your perspective. Yeah. So, well, and I guess a little bit of background um, on me too. From a so I do all of our HubSpot COS development work here as well. We don't actually have to. Uh, a full-time developer on staff, um, although we are now getting ready to hire for that position. So it's definitely interesting. I mean, I think my approach to web design is definitely a little bit different, especially after being out in Boston at HubSpot um, the other week for a developer summit that was there and and talking with some of the other developers. um, I definitely am much more in tune with the drag-and-drop interface that HubSpot's built more for the marketers um, than the developers. Um, so I definitely know that that there's a long ways to go. But I feel like our our process has been pretty fluid. Um, you know, we, we really lay out, even before we engage with a client, what the different milestones or phases of the project are from, you know, making sure that we really understand the buyer personas before we even touch anything that has to do with the design of the site understanding what their inbound goals are to make sure that when we do start working on the wireframes and the design that we're accounting for what's needed from a conversion standpoint um, and making sure that we know what those conversion opportunities are going to be or what they're going to look like. Um, and then we go through you know, a wireframe process, getting approvals from the clients on the wireframes, then we'll hand it off um, to our graphic designer, um, have him actually apply the design to it, um, and then usually it'll come back to me for the coding side of it. And then obviously everything that goes into the coding and the QA side. Um, and the client's always involved, I mean, pretty much throughout that entire process. I mean, we're pretty actively involved with communicating with them between just having regular meetings, you know, every week or every other week, um, as well as our project management software so that they can get in at any point in time and see where we're at um, or leave comments or ask questions, et cetera. That's awesome. So you guys have put a lot of time into crafting the processes so you can pump out a repeatable, uh, successful product for folks at the end of the day. What is that? Yep. How does your designer know? So you're, you, you mentioned you guys are, first of all, doing your homework on the client and going through um, some strategic planning with them. And then you're wireframing it, getting it approved, and then it's going to design. Yep. Has the designer been involved in the wireframing process? Or what? what did, how do they know... Um, how to kind of bring everything together in that final design that you'll then code up? Sure. So our designer is pretty involved in the process. I mean, we bring them in even way at the very beginning when we're just having initial conversations with prospects about their website projects so that they very much have an understanding of, you know, who is this business? What are they looking for? You know, what do they like? What do they not like? Um, So that when it gets to the point where they actually need to apply the design, um, they're on the same page. Um, when it comes to wireframes, it's kind of a split. We kind of have a, a split process between me doing the wireframes and then working with the designer to also do the wireframes. Um, that way, it's not like they're completely caught off guard when it's time for them to to apply the design. Um, you know, and we'll talk through more of some of the advanced stuff. You know, on hey, maybe this this module can flip around, or what type of animations can we do? Because obviously, when it comes to just a um, a mock-up or a Photoshop type of design. You can't really plan for those or you don't necessarily see those type of things. Um, so we make sure that we talk about that early and often um, so that when he's designing, 
he's keeping that in mind for when it comes back to me from a, for coding. Right. So, okay. That's awesome. So your designer's getting a lot of context throughout the whole process that leads Correct. up to that point. Great. Yep. One of the things that you mentioned, Josh, when we were talking before we started recording the podcast here was that you guys, you feel pretty confident in the process that you have in place for what it looks like to blog for clients. And I'm yeah. wondering if you'd be willing to share what that looks like, um, how it's worked for you and kind of what that process is. Yeah, definitely. Um, so at the beginning of every month, um, or actually towards the end of the month, um, so I guess let me back up real quick. So we always, um, most of the time, try to stay about a month ahead with our blogging for clients. Um, that way everything's already done, scheduled, automatically going to go out through HubSpot. Um, so for instance, right now we're starting to plan actually for um, May's blog posts. So April's already completely done. It's in our clients' portals, scheduled, ready to go. Um, and then this week we'll start planning out for May. And so we'll have a meeting with the client We'll kind of go through, you know, past blog posts and those analytics and kind of, hey, is there certain things that have really resonated and gotten a lot of views or there are some things that haven't done very well? Um, and then we'll talk about their overarching strategy, um, some of their keywords, and we'll actually plan out what the topics or the titles are for that month's blog posts. Um, once we've done that, we put all of those titles into our project management software, and each blog post um, has eight individual tasks assigned to them um, between us and the client. So, for instance, um, once we have the title for the blog post, um, it's then on one of our inbound marketing consultants to create the outline. Um, that is an individual task. And then a separate task is going to be to submit that outline to the client for approval we typically then give the client a couple days to approve the outline. Um, once they've approved the outline, then the inbound marketing consultant will go ahead and begin to write that blog post. And we typically give them, um, I believe, about a week to write the blog post. Once that's done, they then submit the draft of that blog post to the client for review. Again, the client gets a couple days to review that, provide any feedback and or approve it. Once the client's approved it, we then schedule the blog post um, in HubSpot um, for the day that it's going to go live. And then at the same time, our IMC also goes ahead and schedules um, anywhere from 15 to 20 social media posts that are going to go out um, over the course of three months after that blog post has been um, uh, went live. And then um, one of the changes that we just recently made um, is we used to... Up until probably two months ago, we used to do all of this at the beginning of the month. So we'd plan out all eight um, blog posters, you know, 10 blog posts, four blog posts, however many the client has. And then we would have the IMC do all of the outlines, um, and we basically would just try to spread it out throughout the month. But what we've actually done in the last two months that seems to have worked really well, both internally for us and externally for our clients, is we've actually split the month in two. So everything's basically on a two-week cycle between creating an outline and then having the final blog post approved and scheduled to go live is about a two-week um, time frame. So we basically, for instance, if we have a client that we're blogging eight times a month for, we'll split and do the first four in the first two weeks of the month, and then we'll do um, the second four in the second half of the month. And it kind of helps reduce the the workload for our clients, um, which is the issue that we saw at the beginning is it was almost overwhelming for them to have to approve so much stuff all at once. Um, and so it seemed to be a lot um, smoother to, to split it out into, into half. 
Wow. Dang, that's an awesome process, Josh. I love how detailed you have and that you've got stuff broken down into here are the eight specific tasks that go into every single post. Here's what the planning looks like and then the execution, the post-launch. You're looking back at it. Has it been a hurdle for you to educate clients on the process and to get them to participate um, even in that little bit of you just need to approve the outline, then you need to approve the content? Um. Yes. <laughs> um, some clients obviously are, are more on top of it, top of it than others. And, and part of that, I think, depends on what their staff capacities are internally as well. Um, but I definitely think that um, the two things that we ask them to do to approve the outline and approve the blog post sometimes is a hurdle. Um, and that's actually one of the things we're trying to figure out right now is if they're not getting stuff back to us on time, um, do we just keep moving forward with, you know, the next round of blog posts that we're supposed to be doing, or do we kind of stop until we finish those? Um, and that's kind of a, an internal discussion that we're having right now on how exactly to, to approach that and handle that with clients. But it's definitely, definitely been a struggle sometimes. Yeah, that makes sense. You're always going to run into that. Some clients are prepared to take the plunge. Some clients take the plunge and they are not prepared yeah, and that's and I think that's part of the reason, um, to be honest, Gray, that we split our monthly blogs in half as far as the way that we're doing them. Because then, ultimately, the idea and the goal is that even if something does get held up or doesn't get approved in time, at least there are other blog posts that did. Um, because what we saw last year when we were when we were doing them all at once is if stuff got hung up or didn't get approved in time, what would happen is you literally would just have a whole week that there wouldn't be a blog post that would go live because we didn't have anything that was done. And by splitting it up, we've kind of alleviated that issue. So, you know, for most clients at a minimum, you're at least going to have one going out every week, even if something gets hung up. Right. Right. That makes sense. Awesome. I appreciate you sharing that process, Josh. It sounds like you guys have, um, have really good things going on with that. I kind of want to switch gears here and ask you a question about something that you guys are struggling with right now, because this is something that every agency um, in our agency at Guava Box, there's a whole list of things that are on the to improve list, things that need, uh, obviously trying to prioritize how much attention am I giving to what and figure out what are some of the things that we're struggling with. But I'm curious to know um, at Spark right now, What's something that you guys are working through, working to improve? Yeah, so um, I'm sure it is um, you guys continue to grow your podcast. I'm sure you'll probably start to hear this more and more. But, you know, scaling and hiring really is is what we're struggling with at the moment. Um, you know, last year was really us building the foundation and of the business, getting the client base that we needed to actually run the business and, and be able to start hiring staff and and it's worked out well for the point we're at now, but now in order to scale um, even further and to start hiring is definitely what we're struggling with. You know, like I, I said earlier, we really are focused on keeping, you know, a local staff and, and not using remote. And I definitely think that if we, if we had decided to go the remote option, um, I don't think that this would necessarily be a struggle for us. Um, you know, being in the Midwest, um, we always laugh because it, it always seems to take longer for stuff to get to the Midwest, whether it's music, fashion, you know, inbound marketing, we've seen it has taken a while to really start to pick up here. And, and so from a local talent pool of people that already have experience with inbound marketing and already have experience with HubSpot, 
it's a very small pool, if any. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've been getting a lot of um, students that are getting ready to graduate college that have been applying for jobs. Um, but our big struggle is finding the right talent um, that we can teach inbound to it and best practices to that will succeed with it. Um, since we don't really have access to people that already have that background and that experience. Right. Yeah. That's a challenge. And it's, uh, not only probably is it tough to, um, to find people in the geographical market that you're in, but add that to the fact that we're dealing with inbound marketing, a, you know, a term and an industry that's been around since 2006 at best. Yeah. Um, that definitely makes it complicated. And I know a lot of agencies who are going through that same thing. You're finally getting to the point where it's the workload is too much for the same small team that started it to keep up with it. And, uh, and now it's trying to convey what you've learned, what you know, and, and, uh, add to that talent, talent. Team. Yeah. And I, and I think the other part of that too is, is keeping ahead of that too. Right. Cause we know that when we hire somebody, because we have to train them, there's going to be this period of onboarding that it's going to take a while for them to get up to speed. And, you know, we don't, we don't really want to be putting brand new people on client work, right? Like we don't want our clients to feel like they're the learning opportunity for our staff. We want our staff to already be to the point where they can handle that client completely on their own. And, and so trying to figure out what that curve is between when do we bring people on based on what our pipeline's looking like, um, and making sure that we're hiring at the right time and not too late um, definitely goes along with that as well. For sure. Yeah, I know that's something. Uh, last podcast episode, in episode number two, we talked with John Bonini from Impact Branding and Design. He talked um, about what they've done and a lot of the processes that they have in place. And Natalie Davis, who works at Impact, um, she works full-time on processes and people and uh, putting, in place, putting in place the system to onboard folks and get them to the point where they can do client work and when you're at the point where um, where we are at at Guavabox right now, we don't have a full-time process and people person. Um, and so it's how do you make things work in that in between? Yeah. And we, we um, our most recent hire that we hired back in January, um, we hired an IMC specifically for Spark Reaction um, because up until that point, it, really it was on me and Brian to do everything for us as, in addition to our clients. And so we really, um, in fact, it was it was kind of based on conversations with John Benini um, and just kind of knowing some of his background and the background with Impact as well that led me to want to hire somebody specifically for Spark Reaction. And I knew that it'd be a benefit. And, you know, um, they've been doing outstanding and we're getting to the point now where part of their focus is going to start shifting to, um, you know, what are some of our processes? What are, you know, our internship program look like or what is our onboarding process look like as well um to kind of expand that and, and help us from an agency standpoint as well that's great, that's great stuff. awesome uh let's shift gears again just a little bit here josh i'm curious to know um what are some of the tools that you're using do you have one or two tools i'm always interested in knowing from folks what are the tools that they're using to be efficient and productive in what they're doing do you have a couple tools that you'd want to share with folks Sure. Um, so probably the two I would call out um, would be Quote Roller. Um, so we started using Quote Roller uh, sometime last year to start doing um, all of our proposals. Um, and that's really helped out. So prior to that, you know, we were, I think we had an InDesign file that was our, our proposals. And, you know, so every time we needed to create one, we would have to go into this InDesign file and make all the changes. And it really just was not an efficient way of doing it. 
Um, so we switched over to Quote Roller, started building out some templates, um, you know, using their personalization tokens in there. Um, and that's really helped speed up the process uh, of creating um, proposals or agreements for, for clients, um, as well as, you know, the analytical side of it, being an inbound marketer and even myself loving data, um, the advantage that it has with just knowing what sections are, you know, our prospects looking at. You know, is there sections that they're looking at for longer than others? So I feel like that one's been really beneficial for us. And then um, we just recently started using Uber Conference um, as our conferencing software. Um, We had used it way back when we first started the agency, but at that time um, they couldn't do screen sharing. Um, And since then they've now added that feature with some other stuff. And we had looked at a lot of options, you know, the typical GoToMeeting, WebEx, um, and just really settled on Uber Conference. It's it's really intuitive to use. It's all web based, so there's no download. Um, that was our probably our biggest pet peeve with GoToMeeting is every time we used it, you know, you have to download something. Um, and so far, the feedback from our clients has been has been really positive on that. And it's super cheap. I think it's like ten dollars per user per month, um, and it's unlimited uh, users um, in the conference. Um, so it's very feature rich. I think even the $10 plan uh, gives you the ability to actually have Uber conference call your clients or your prospects when it's time for the meeting. Um, so it really helps streamline that process as well. Wow. I'm going to have to dig back into Uber conference. It's been a while um, since we've looked at them. We looked at them a couple of years ago as well and wound up going to go to meeting, which yep. we've used predominantly since then. But I'm going to have to look at them again. That is probably the biggest hassle with go to meeting is you need a download. Yeah. But does Uber Conference, is there a capability there for webinars? Um, I am not exactly sure. You might be able to use it from that standpoint, um, but I don't know that there's a specific webinar portion of it um, to function more like a webinar rather than just a standard meeting. Gotcha. I'll have to do some more research on that one. Um, if you are driving or in a place right now where you can't take notes, interested in the resources, all of this stuff that we're talking about right now with Josh is going to be on the show notes, show notes page, by the way, which you can find just by going to doinbound.com slash podcast. Josh, I kind of want to transition and just learn about what makes you tick as far as on a daily basis. How do you get, you're doing development, you're trying to run an agency, you're involved in the tools that you guys have going on, hiring new people. There's so much on your plate as an agency owner and someone who's actively involved in the day-to-day, what does your morning routine look like? Kind of what does a typical morning look like to kick your day off the right way? Yeah. Um, so I wake up anywhere from 7 to 7.15 in the morning. Um, I sometimes eat breakfast. I most of the time do not um, or I grab something on the way in. Um, but pretty much I'm in the office by you know 8 o'clock in the morning. I like to get in before everybody else does so that I can kind of catch up, you know, kind of prep for the day, go through my emails from overnight um, if I had had not already been looking at them. Um, and then by the time all of our staff and team members get in, um, we usually have a, a morning meeting. Uh, it's only about 15 to 20 minutes every morning just to kind of recap, you know, what's on everybody's plate for the day. You know, is there anything holding you up from getting stuff done? You know, do you need anything from somebody else on the team? Um, and then everybody just kind of goes goes their separate way and starts working. And then actually once a week on Mondays, we do that as well. But it's it's a little bit longer. It's usually closer to 45 minutes. And we look at the entire week um, and what's kind of on the plate for the week and what are our goals for the week and what do we need to get accomplished. 
Um, and then, like I said, then every day we kind of break that down to make sure that by the end of the week we've gotten where we needed to go. And, and um, we just implemented that actually at the beginning of this year as well. Um, and I think that that's helped us stay um, on task. And, and I think we've become much more efficient by doing that as well. Got it. That's awesome. Here's a question that I'm, uh, I've just started asking people, and I'm interested uh, just to hear. It usually catches people off guard. No pressure. Okay. But I'm just curious, as far as your morning routine goes, is that something that you've kind of planned out intentionally, what the flow is going to look like? Obviously, the meeting is intentionally planned. But as far as like wake-up time, the process to get into the office and get into your groove, is that something that's just kind of happened by default over the years of doing it, or is that something you've intentionally planned? Um, I'd say it's probably a little of both. It, it definitely probably started out as just that's what it was. Um, but I think now I've gotten to the point where it is intentional. I mean, I really do try to make sure that I'm in here early enough that I can catch up on stuff before everything else starts to happen on the day. Um, because if I came in honestly at the same time as everybody else, I would probably feel a little bit behind. Um, just because, Everything else would be on my plate on top of not having already caught up and, and kind of prepped for the day on what I had on my plate. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say it's probably intentional at this point. Right. That's awesome. It's uh, it's super important to just figure out what works for me to get me in the groove and ready to be productive today and contribute to the organization, contribute to clients, and move things forward for the agency. Awesome, Josh. I appreciate you spending uh, this time with us. I know that you're a busy man, but appreciate um, the time that you've given us, the insights that you've shared with us. What's the best way for listeners to connect with you if they have any questions, uh, want to get in touch? Sure. Um, I am somewhat fairly active on Twitter, um, which is just uh, Josh underscore Ames, A-Amazon Mark, E-S. Otherwise, LinkedIn is also a really good spot to connect with me. Great. We'll include that information in the show notes. Josh, we'll be talking to you soon, I'm sure. Thanks again for joining us today. Thanks a lot for the invite, Gray. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Talk to you soon. All right. This episode of Inbound Agency Journey is brought to you by Do Inbound, the world's first project and process management tool built specifically for inbound marketing agencies. If you want to learn how to manage, track, and scale your inbound agency with a pre-built and proven system, visit doinbound.com slash journey. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash journey. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to episode three of Inbound Agency Journey. We're coming off of that fantastic conversation between Gray and Josh. And Gray, you want to kick us off? What are What is one big takeaway you had from your conversation with Josh? Yeah, one big takeaway, Andrew, was Josh talking about his web design process and a mistake that we made early on that I'm sure a lot of agencies have gone through was not getting out the milestones, the goals, the buyer personas at the very beginning of those website projects. So you build a great looking website, but with no strategy behind it, it doesn't accomplish much for the business um, unless unless you just luck out. So a lot of times we'd build a site, it would either increase traffic or people would be more interested, but it didn't really fulfill uh, the goals in terms of growing the customers for the clients. And so Josh's process of let's get all the strategy stuff out first, then let's work on what that conversion plan is going to be. Then they go through wireframe and approval and all these steps and approval. And instead of trying to knock the whole thing out all at once and then take it to the client, where you're setting yourself up for a big letdown and a lot of work 
on the hard part of the website, they go through all these littler steps and get the client to approve. And in some ways, what that made me think of was just like the sales process is a series of conversions, that process as you're working through the website redesign with a client is a series of conversions. And so all these little steps add up to a big win at the end instead of trying to get them all out of the way, rush through it, and then take it back to the client. I love it. He's positioning his he's positioning his agency and his services above any other web design shop that he might be up against in this process by locking down that process first and digging into the strategy. I thought it was cool how he mentioned that they do personas before they get near wireframing. And from a design perspective, that's so cool to just understand what those conversion paths are going to be and how they're going to be different for each persona. It's so cool to see someone who's infusing marketing strategy into the way that they're planning a website from the very beginning. I think that's going to help them close a lot more long-term relationships with the type of clients that are going to you know, really bolster, bolster the type of work they're doing as an agency there. Yeah, I agree with that. And one thing that also stuck out to me, and I want to get your thoughts on this, Dimmer, but Josh talked about how they are investing in a local team. They are kind of putting their um, their foot in the ground in the Des Moines area, and that's where they're kind of building everything around as far as the office, and they have a decent number of local clients. Obviously, they're not just focused there, but I'm curious on your thoughts, any takeaways from what Josh talked about with his approach to building a team. Yeah, I think there are, there are always things that we need to do as agencies that differentiate us from other inbound marketing agencies. While the ocean is still big and there are still a lot of clients out there for us all to share and to work on, there we still need to find ways to differentiate ourselves. And I think Josh, picking uh, the local area, defining here's the type of culture we want to build, here's where we want to be known as, I think that's a good thing. Uh, not It doesn't take anything away from an agency that wants to be nationally based or wants to be a completely remote team. But no matter what you do as an agency, at some point you have to pick what you're going to be in and what are the core elements that are going to define you and define your work. And I just I, I tip my hat to them because they've outlined the type of growth plan that they want. They've got an office set up to, to facilitate it and a plan in place to help get them from where they are today to where they want to go. And it's just it's really cool to see someone who took something from a side business and now has it up and running as a full time agency. They're HubSpot Gold Partners. They do awesome work, and I just think it's going to be uh, a bright future for those guys out there. For sure, I really like that Josh was willing to share so many specifics about how they do things as well. And so everything from hey, we brought on somebody to be our own IMC to do our own marketing for us to talk about how they manage client blogging. And I thought that the process that he elaborated on there where each individual blog post has eight subtasks associated with it, that aligns really well with our methodology with what we're building into Do Inbound. And what we use at Guavabox is there's a whole series of, for any deliverable, something that's going to go live on a website, there's a whole set of subtasks that has to happen. And if all those little details come together the right way, then the post can come together and you wind up with a consistently good product instead of no process. You typically wind up with very inconsistent deliverables. So I, I was thankful to Josh for just kind of breaking down his process of specifically the web design process and then what is a blog post and what does their blogging schedule look like with clients. I agree. Lines up really well. You need that checklist associated. I think, and what we're breathing to do inbound is you can't just assign work. You need to do, to define how the work is supposed to be done so that you've got quality control baked into 
the daily flow of your agency. So it's not it's not just left up to chance on how something's going to look. And I think those guys are well on their way to just infusing that idea into their whole agency. So yeah, you know what's funny there is this is kind of the same thing as what we said earlier about the web design process. You can either do all the hard work up front and then try and do quality control at the end by you've built the whole website now you take it to the client and you're set up for letdown. And it's the same exact thing with the importance of process. You can just assign work if you want and do the client do the quality control at the end and now you're trying to clean up a mess when it's too late. Or you can bake it all into the process, have a really solid process and save yourself the headaches down the road. You can choose. I choose freedom. <laughs> Amen. Preach it, brother. Yeah. Any closing thoughts here, Greg, before we wrap up? Uh, you know, there were so many good things to pick out from there. Um, Josh is a good friend, and I'm just I'm really excited to see them continue to grow and definitely rooting for Spark Reaction. Awesome. Well, everyone, if you want to grab the show notes from this episode, you can head over to doinbound.com slash podcast. Grab it all right there. If you enjoy the show... We would appreciate a review in iTunes. That helps get the message up and out to the rest of the world. So if you're enjoying the Inbound Agency journey, head over to iTunes. Leave us a review there. Good, bad, or ugly. We would love to hear it. Thank you for listening to Inbound Agency Journey. You can find the show's notes for today's episode at doinbound.com slash podcast. Again, that's doinbound, all one word, dot com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe or leave us a review of the show. Until next time, remember, life is a journey. Keep moving forward.